That was a beautiful song service. It's a joy on this beautiful Lord's Day morning to be able to assemble and to worship our God. I wish we could just keep on singing for a few more minutes and appreciate uh, Derek and his selection of songs. It goes right along with the theme of our lesson this morning from First Peter that we're going to look at in just a moment. But let me extend a very warm and cordial welcome to every one of you who are here today. We are Indeed, blessed and honored by your presence. And we want you to know that we truly mean it when we say welcome. We hope that you'll want to come back and worship with us anytime you have an opportunity. Uh, Glenn and Agnes Farrell, uh, they're not in their normal place where they sit, but they've been able to make it back for the last few weeks. And I wanted to acknowledge that this morning. And it's so good to see them. And uh, we're certainly thankful that. Uh, she's able, uh, with the back problems that she's had, to be back to worship with us. We have a couple of outstanding uh, families, couples that are celebrating uh, events in their lives. Tom and Naoma Gilberry tomorrow will be married 52 years. And we want to congratulate them on that accomplishment. But certainly, we, won't, we wouldn't want to take the spotlight off them, but this next announcement sort of does. Charlie and Beth Klein will be married 69 years tomorrow. It's good to see them here today, and it's always an encouragement to observe their faithfulness to God in all circumstances of life. And of course, Brother Klein, uh, they say he served as an elder here for... 40 years, and we appreciate their Christian example. Uh, we look up to them so very much, and uh, we appreciate uh, what they have meant to the church and continue to mean to the church throughout the years. This morning, as we sung about today, we want to talk about hope. I want to talk about a hope that can sustain us. Over in the book of First Peter, chapter 1, verses 3 through 12. And you might want to turn in your Bibles there. We're going to be reading some verses there as we go throughout this lesson. But Peter talks about and emphasizes the great hope that Christians need to have in their lives. There's a story of a colonel who spent eight long years in a Vietnam prison camp. And this particular colonel looked back on what kept him going during this trying ordeal he had to experience? Can you imagine what it might be like to spend eight years, not just away from your family, but to be held prisoner in a Vietnam prison camp? And this particular individual spoke of the solitude, the terrible loneliness that he felt. He said, we were forced to spend hours and weeks months and even years with absolutely nothing at all to occupy our minds. Well, how did he survive this? How did he keep his sanity? Here's what he said. He said, thoughts of going home to a good family kept me going when I was in exile. And those comforting thoughts of going home to be with his family certainly turned out to be justified. Thoughts of, of going back home 
gave that kernel something to hold on to. And yet we need to realize today that that same principle is true with the Christian. And his thoughts of going home to be with God forever in heaven, thoughts of going home, thoughts of being with God forever can get us through the troubles and difficulties and distresses of this life. We sing that song sometimes, sing on, you joyful pilgrims. While here on earth we stay, let songs of love in Jesus beguile each fleeting day. And it's this fixed hope of heaven that has given Christians of every generation the hope that they need to carry on. Now in our text here of 1 Peter, Peter is holding the promise of heaven before the weary eyes of his readers. And I, would, I think we would be wise to make sure that, that thoughts of heaven, thoughts of going home are in our minds at all times as well. The thoughts of going home and, and being with Jesus forever are indeed beautiful. And these thoughts of going home can make us strong when we're feeling pressure to give up our faith. Thoughts of going home to be with God in heaven can cause us and motivate us to remain strong when the pressure to give up our faith in Jesus Christ is so intense. Thoughts of going home kept that prisoner of war from just giving up. It kept him from just calling it quits. And thoughts of that heavenly home can keep us strong when we face such strong temptations and trials and problems in this life. And so Peter here, if you look at 1 Peter chapter 1, he talks about the great hope that we have. It's a hope that can sustain us. It's a hope that can give us something firm to hold on to. And Peter talks about three different aspects of this hope that I want to emphasize in your hearing this morning. Peter, first of all, talks about the nature of this hope. And then Peter discusses the power of this hope. And then Peter observes the certainty of this hope. And I want us to focus on this great theme of hope that's emphasized by Peter that can challenge us and encourage us to never give up on our goal. First of all this morning, Peter mentions this great hope by talking about the nature of this hope. You know, Peter's often been referred to as the apostle of hope. When you think about Paul, you think about the apostle of faith. When we mention John, you think about the apostle of love. Well, Peter is the apostle of hope. In fact, the theme of First and Second Peter is hope. 
You see, Peter was writing to Christians who were suffering many hardships and and trials, and they were already suffering persecution for their commitment to the Lord, and things were about to get much worse before they got better. Look at 1 Peter chapter 1, beginning in verse 3, if you will, this morning. And there Peter said, Blessed be God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his abundant mercy has begotten us unto a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled that fades not away. Reserved in heaven for you, who are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. You see, in regard to the future, the child of God has an inheritance in heaven. Because of God's marvelous grace and mercy, children of God have been born anew. And and because of this new birth that takes place through the act of baptism, Christians have become children of God. We have become heirs of God, joint heirs with Christ. And the very thought of that concept ought to be staggering indeed. Just stop for a moment. Think about some of the blessings that God has given us in the time that we have here upon this earth. We know our physical and material blessings are are simply too too numerous to, to contemplate. The song says, count your many blessings, name them one by one, and it will surprise you what the Lord hath done. But then we think about the spiritual blessings that are ours here in this life through Christ Jesus. And yet we need to realize that all these blessings, as numerous as they are, they're only a tiny sample of the indescribable things that await us in heaven. In fact, the things that make up our eternal inheritance are so grand that they're incapable of description in human language. And so Peter here describes this inheritance by using negative adjectives. For example, it is incorruptible, a negative adjective. It is undefiled. It fadeth not away. Do the things in this life slip through our hands and fingers and perish? Of course they do. And yet the things of heaven are incorruptible. They are imperishable. They are permanent. They will always be there. Are the best things that we know in this life tainted a bit with the pollution of sin? Yes, I think we realize that sin will stain and it will destroy and it will taint even the good things that we have here upon this earth. And yet Peter says that heaven is undefiled. It is unsoiled. It is incapable of being blemished. Are the pleasures that that we experience in this life received by a selfish spirit 
And at last we realize, just like Moses realized, that these pleasures soon must pass away as, as we get older and eventually die. Of course they do. Job said, man born of woman is a few days full of trouble. Job 14 verse 1. What pleasures we do experience in this life are temporary. They are short-lived and they soon pass from us. And yet the bliss and the grandeur of heaven will never fade away. Everything about heaven is not only everlasting, but as we've sung this morning, it's ever fresh, it's ever beautiful. That's how our eternal inheritance is described. And we need to understand this morning that our bright hope for the future, our bright hope to receive this eternal inheritance is rooted deeply in one event that happened almost 2,000 years ago. God raised Jesus Christ from the dead and his resurrection is the pledge that we too will one day come forth from the grave. 1 Corinthians 15 and verse 20. And so because Jesus Christ rose from the grave by the power of God, then that's the assurance that we too will one day arise from the grave and we're going to receive that heavenly inheritance if we're faithful. You may recall on the night that Jesus died on the cross, the, the night before he was to suffer that excruciating death on Calvary. Somehow he looked beyond that awful experience and to his resurrection, and he looked to his continuing work on our behalf as his disciples. And he said in John 14 and verse 2, In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. You know, when we look to the past, when we look backward, we see God's power. And we hear the promise of Jesus that, that one day we are going to come forth from the grave. And when we look ahead to the future, we are confident of that hope. We are confident of that wonderful heavenly inheritance. But the question for us today is, how do we make it right now? How do we make it in the present? Well, if you look at verse 5 of our text, Peter says, Who are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. You see, the power of God is working in this present moment to guard us from stumbling and to set us before the presence of his glory without blemish and exceeding joy, Jude verse 24. Now, if we let our faith fail, then we will forfeit that security. We will forfeit that hope that Peter talks about here. And yet, if we will remain strong, if we will remain faithful and committed and obey the Lord's will, 
then our hope is certain. And so when we consider what Peter says here, in these beginning verses, we are made to feel sure and confident. We become aware of what Peter calls a living hope. This hope is grounded in the trustworthy promise of God. It cannot fail. And so when the hopes and dreams and in our lives have come to nothing, when our, our hopes and dreams and aspirations have disappeared, no one can take away this wonderful Christian hope. Peter talks about the nature of this hope. But in the next place, not only does Peter talk about the nature of this hope, but I want to submit to you today that Peter emphasizes the power of this hope. You know, when we have the assurance of victory, I believe that is the best incentive that we can have to keep on keeping on. You know, a weary soldier, if he's on the battlefield, if he has the ultimate assurance that he's going to win, that's the best incentive to keep going. That's the power of the hope that we have. We are assured of the victory. We are assured of the fact that we're going to win. If a tired traveler has a certainty of reaching his destination, then, then he's going to press on in his journey. And if a Christian has the knowledge that better things await him in heaven, then that's going to keep that Christian from getting all caught up in the things of this world. It will bring comfort when we have to suffer for our commitment to the Lord. And this great hope of heaven that we have if we're faithful can cause us, I believe, to overcome any obstacle that may stand in our way. In fact, Paul said in Romans chapter 8 and verse 18, For I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared to the joy and the glory that shall be revealed in us. And when we stop and realize that, we can have the strength to press on. Just like that soldier on the battlefield. Or just like that weary traveler. Now, to his readers who were on the verge of many fiery trials, Peter here emphasized that when their faith was put to the severe test... The power of their hope would sustain them. Look at verses 6 through 9. He said, In this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while, if need be, you've been grieved by various trials, that the genuineness of your faith, being much more precious than gold that perishes, though it's tested by fire, may be found to praise, honor, and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ, whom having not seen, you love. Though now you do not see him, yet believing, you rejoice with joy inexplicable, full of glory, receiving the end of your faith, the salvation of your souls." You see, Peter knew and realized that if Christians then, as well as now, could only somehow 
Look beyond the circumstances of the moment. And focus on the eternal things of God rather than all the trials that I'm facing right now. They could find the strength to hang on. By looking beyond the trials and the temptations of this life and by looking and focusing on the hope of heaven, Christians can sing, Christians can rejoice even in this life. One of my favorite passages begins in 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 16. And there the Apostle Paul says, For which cause we faint not. But though our outward man perish, this body perish, yet the inward man is renewed day by day. For our light affliction which is but for a moment. God, are you taking for granted all I'm having to suffer? Is it just a light affliction for maybe one spouse to devote themselves completely to the care of another spouse for years and years who may be suffering from some kind of dementia or Alzheimer's? Is it, is it just a light affliction when somebody's financial status just crumbles before them? Is it just a light affliction when a healthy individual is diagnosed with a terrible disease and suffers immensely until death finally comes as a welcome visitor? Is it just a lot of affliction when we experience betrayal by friends when we're persecuted? That's not what God is saying here. God is saying here, you've got to look at the big picture. And when you view this life for what it really is in comparison to eternity, then it's almost nothing. Even though right now in the present, it can almost seem unbearable. Our light affliction, which is but for a moment, doesn't seem that way, does it? Whenever I read that verse, I always remember going to the doctor as a child. And the doctor says, as you're about to get a shot, it's going to sting just for a moment. And then it'll be okay. But even then, the sting really wasn't very bad, was it? Sometimes it hurt more than others. Sometimes you had to ask, is it over yet, when it had been over? But you see, that's what our affliction is. Our light affliction is just like that. It is but for a moment when you look at it from the grand scheme of things. And he goes on to say, it works for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory while we look not... At the things which are seen, our focus isn't on the things around us that we observe with our eyes. They're temporary in nature. The things which are seen are temporary. The things which are not seen are eternal. And then Paul goes on to say, For we know that if our earthly house of this tabernacle were dissolved, we have a building from God, a house not made with hands. Eternal in the heavens. 
Now, we know the trials that we face in life come from many different sources. Sometimes there's tragic accidents. Sometimes there's lingering illnesses. Maybe there's a physical handicap. There may be extreme financial problems that come our way. It may be the death of a precious and dear loved one. Perhaps it's our own death that we're ultimately going to have to face. And there's countless other sources of trials and distresses in this life. And we need to realize that trials can hit us any time. And God doesn't allow these trials to come upon us to hurt us. But through these trials, our faith in God is made evident. These trials test our moral and spiritual quality. And any time a Christian remains faithful through some period of intense testing, that brings, Peter says, praise and honor and glory to God. And the reward that we're going to receive for remaining faithful is the salvation of our souls. And so there's great power and hope. Folks, we can overcome anything if we'll simply somehow look ahead to our reward in heaven. Knowing what the future holds can cause us and give us the power to never give up. There's great power in hope. There's power that can help us Make it through those difficult times. But lastly this morning, Peter not only talks about the nature of this hope, not only does he emphasize the power of this hope, but we need to realize that Peter talks about the certainty of this hope. You know, Peter, after mentioning the salvation which would come to Christians that persevere under trials... He now makes several observations about this greatest of God's gifts. He said that this salvation had been prophesied by the Holy Spirit through the Old Testament prophets. In fact, the prophets themselves had studied their predictions and they had studied those predictions carefully and and even the angels in heaven had an intense interest in the salvation of mankind. Look at verses 10 through 12. Peter says, of this salvation, our salvation, the prophets have inquired and searched diligently who prophesied of the grace that would come to you, searching what or what manner of time the Spirit of Christ who was in them was indicating when he testified beforehand the sufferings of Christ and the glories which would follow. To them it was revealed that not to themselves, but to us, they were ministering the things which now have been reported unto you through those who have preached the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven, things which angels desire to look into. You see, the Old Testament prophets foretold many things about our salvation. Things that they did not even fully understand. 
They spoke of the blessings that God was ultimately going to bring to mankind through means of Jesus Christ and his suffering, and yet they did not understand, they did not see how or when these wonderful blessings would come to pass. I think about some of the wonderful prophecies of Isaiah and David regarding the wonderful things of our salvation, and yet it's marvelous to contemplate that the fulfillment of these prophecies concerning our salvation did not depend upon the ability of the prophets themselves. You see, it was the Holy Spirit that was in them that gave them the message that they wrote about and spoke about. But God and his power made sure that all these things concerning our salvation came to pass. And did not this same Holy Spirit that guided the Old Testament writers not guide the New Testament writers as well? And God, through Peter, has promised us that we can bear our trials successfully and that we can realize the ultimate goal, the salvation of our souls. God has assured us that we could obtain the wonderful reward of heaven if we're faithful to his cause. Be faithful unto death. I will give you the crown of life. Revelation 2 and verse 10. But somebody says, uh, my problem is too great. How can the terrible situation that I'm in ever be used to God's glory? But we need to realize that that same divine power, which made all the Old Testament prophecies come to pass, is still there, making sure that all the New Testament prophecies come to pass as well. God has promised us that we can be victorious over anything. We can have eternal life with God if we're faithful. And so these few verses here, in 1 Peter chapter 1, emphasize the certainty of our hope. We need to realize today and understand that God will keep his promise. I just hope today as we look at these verses that all of us can be made to feel stronger in regard to the hope that sustains us. Verses 3 through 5 talk about the nature of our hope. It's a living hope. It's a hope that looks to that inheritance that is reserved for Christians today. Verses 6 through 9 speak of the power of this hope inside a Christian man or woman. It can give us the strength to overcome all of our hardships and trials. And these final verses, verses 10 through 12 tell us that we can look to our heavenly reward as a positive fact. You see, our hope does not rest today in the testimony of men, but instead on the testimony of God himself who cannot lie. And since we know today that God could not and would not and will not ever deceive us, as a faithful child of God today, we know exactly What is awaiting us at the end of our journey? And this is the hope that every Christian, 
has to have to face the difficulties of this life. And this hope is not just wishful thinking, but it's confident expectation that God's promise to us will not fail. You see, thoughts of going home are what kept that imprisoned man alive during his eight-year ordeal as a prisoner of war in Vietnam. Thoughts of their heavenly home kept many Christians of the first century strong as they faced bitter trials that we can't even imagine today. And this same hope in our hearts and in our minds can see us through our darkest hours. You see, in every Christian's life, there's going to come a time when the Lord's promise to come again and receive his people unto himself will have to carry that individual through some difficulty. Faith reaches out for strength. And it's hope that can give us something to hold on to. Do you have that hope today? Do you have that hope of a a better future beyond the trials of this life? If you're not a Christian this morning, you're without God. You are without hope in this world. And yet today that can all change if you're willing to obey the gospel. If you're willing to come in simple trusting faith, believing that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, and in that faith be willing to change your life as you repent of your sins. You can stand before this people today and confess that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and you can be baptized into Christ for the forgiveness of all your past sins. Or if you have forfeited that hope because of the way you're living as a child of God, if you've lost the focus that is so vitally important to live a successful Christian life, you may need to come this morning as well. The invitation is yours. If you're subject to it, please come